Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us. Coming up on this episode, is working from home under a little bit of pressure already, even before legislation has passed? And it's Christmas at Casey's Furniture. We'll find out just what's happening in the store on Oliver Plunkett Street. But as we come into the winter months, the cost of heating our homes and businesses is at the forefront of everyone's mind. But how exactly can we make savings? How can we ensure we have the best heating solutions to meet our budget? Well, there's a new kid on the block, Evolve, is a relatively new company set up here in Cork and that might have the answer to a lot of those questions. And its co-founder and CEO is Mike Cody, who's with me now. Hiya, Mike. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's lovely to talk to you. You really couldn't have set up at a better time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, demand is high at the moment uh, for customers to save costs on energy, uh, upgrade the buildings, the fabric of the home keep the heat in um, and, and, and generally to, to reduce their energy costs with the energy crisis that's continuing at the moment. So what do you do in Evolve? Uh, so, so Evolve is, uh, has been set up to, uh, to help customers uh, reduce their costs. Um, so we talk to customers over the telephone. Uh, we do a home audit over the phone with them, uh, walk through their home effectively um, and look at the areas that they can improve uh, uh, on. So whether it be insulation, generate their own electricity through solar panels um, or whether they're looking to install a heat pump and, and go to, and move to renewable energies um, so so it's it's that walk through identify the uh, the upgrades that are required and then make sure that we get them uh, sorted through our, our framework our partner framework um, and 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 then uh, they get all the installations done through that mm, so does somebody come out to the house to have a look or how does it work yeah, so it starts with the telephone audit, um, so that's free, um, and customers will uh, will walk through and give a set of recommendations of what upgrades can be done um, and which is the best way to complete them. Um, and I suppose a little bit differently from the one-stop shops that are out there where it, it doesn't demand 40, 60 or 80,000 uh, euros up front, uh, this, we just work with customers on the upgrades that they need over the time that they can afford to do them. Um, then what we do is we pass it on to our framework of partners uh, they go out and physically do the work then um, on the customer's home. Um, and then we stay in touch with the customer then for other uh, aspects of the home or other upgrades that they might mm. need for the future as well. That's one of the challenges of the one-stop shop model. It's great if you have the money uh, that you're able to do that and you get one particular contractor to come in and who looks after all of the bits and pieces that need to be done. But not everybody either has access to 40, 50, 60 grand or has it in their back pocket. So is this a way that you can incrementally make your home or your business more sustainable? Yeah, exactly. So so we do it over time with customers. Um, so we do it in the order that's right for them and for their home uh, because everybody's slightly different um, in terms of the upgrades that they need. And of course, everybody's budget is different as well. Um, so as you say, the one-stop shops are great uh, for customers that have the money up front, um, but absolutely, we, we do it piece by piece. And, and look, sometimes uh, it can take years to get a customer's home ready for, for even a heat pump um, because that, that's the upgrades that they, they need a number of upgrades to be done. What are the challenges, of course, is getting tradespeople right now? It's very hard to do that. You, you say you've got a bank of talent that you can draw on, but is there a long waiting list to get anything done in this space at the moment? Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. It, it is challenging. Um, there's there's a lot of work out there that needs to be done and, and there's, uh, there's few people to do it. We've put together a trusted framework um, and that works well for us because we know and we can advise customers on the timeframes for, for each of the measures uh, that they're going to be waiting for. Um, but the, the long-term ambition, obviously, for us is that we, we get the work done, we get it done to a high quality standard. 
Um, and then, as I said, we handhold them afterwards as well to make sure that they can get all the other measures done okay. um, as they're needed too. Yeah, I mean, people have heard me talk about my solar panels before. Um, they they make a huge impact on so providing little bits of electricity back to the grid. Not a lot recently because the sun hasn't exactly shone in the last month here in Cork, no. but uh, that, that that's transitory. The sun will come back. Um, but I, I just can't understand why everybody isn't being given solar panels, that we're not using PV more. Because on the days the wind is blowing, let the wind generate the energy. But on the days the sun is shining, we can generate it from solar PV. There There is a reluctance to kind of just get going on this, isn't it? I mean, is, is that the gap you're hoping to fill for the consumer? But also, does it expose the fact that our policies just aren't moving fast enough? Yeah, look, there there are grants available for customers and they can claim up to €2,400 uh, back um, in terms of a, a grant towards solar PV, um, so producing electricity from from, from uh, daylight. Um, and as you said, it, it's, the, it, it's, a, it's a real no-brainer at the moment to, to do um, because uh, you've got all year-round generation um, and we're, we're really, I suppose, trying to push um, as many people to do it as possible that, you know, that can do it. You're right about feeding back into the grid. There is the opportunity to do that. Um, but the cheapest kilowatt hour is either the one that you never use um, or, or one that you that you use yourself because you've generated it yourself. And then not forgetting there's battery storage now as well. Um, so you get more, much more flexibility um, in terms of that generation, keeping it for yourself and using it at the right time of day mm. for yourself because all the smart plans that are out there at the moment, they can be confusing. Um, and again, that's what we're trying to, I suppose, break down for customers and, and explain and try and help them on that, on that journey. You're also launching a switcher service. Uh, that's relevant and important given that, there, as you say, it's very confusing out there at the moment. How does yours work and how is it different to others? Yeah, so the, there's, uh, there are switching services out there at the moment, um, and what they do is they get paid by the uh, energy supplier uh, for each switch that happens. Uh, we're slightly different, so we charge uh, a customer €30 Euros, uh, to administer the switch for them. But what we're doing is we're taking their their information and, and, and their data, bespoke to them, um, and, and then finding the right price plan um, that, that's suitable for them. Um, if you look at the, the smart price plans that are out there at the moment, that's just made it even more confusing for customers because they, they're unsure what's right for them. Um, so we'll take all of that information from them, have that conversation with them and work out which is the, the right price plan for them. And whether it's a smart plan or whether it's a standard plan um, that suits them depends on how they, you know, how they function in their home and how they use their home and when, when they use electricity. OK, what's the website if people want to find out more about you, Mike? So we're at e-volvvolv.ie. E-volvvolv.ie. Mike Cody, CEO and co-founder of Evolve. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us, Mike. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Cheers. Now, COVID has changed the way that a lot of businesses carry out their operations, working from home becoming the norm for many. But a lot of places are now either back to the office full-time or allowing staff to work from home maybe two to three days a week. Neave Brady of A Better Workday is with me. How you doing, Neave? I'm doing great, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm very well. Now, you've conducted a survey to find out how people feel about working from home and returning to the office. And is there a difference between the employers and the employees? Yeah, absolutely. So this is my second survey. I did the first one back in 2020 when we all first started working from home. And the last one was done during the summertime. I suppose what was interesting is that, you know, there's still over 33% of people working from home full-time so not everybody is running back into the office uh, quite like people expected. 
Um, when you hear things like traffic is back to normal and it's really busy in office places, when you go in, people are surprised at how many are there. I, is is there a bit of a, a creeping change that people are in the office more? Or is it just that it's become so normal for people not to be there that you just don't notice if Neve's not in today or Jonathan's not in tomorrow? It's a bit of both, really. So what we're finding is the companies that are asking people to go back into the office and the ones that are doing it well are doing the hybrid approach, right? So that you're going to spend some days coming in and some days not. And you'll find that most of your team going on the same day as you. If we see an uptake in the traffic and stuff, it's because people are probably all choosing the same day, right? So not many of us are rushing to go into the office on a Friday, for example. Um, and Tuesdays and Wednesdays are proving to be really popular. And uh, what you won't notice as much, as you said, is if somebody maybe from another team isn't in, you're only going to be paying attention to the people who you work more closely with. Mm. Yeah, I, I have yeah. to say, I think personally think the traffic is back down to the schools because there is not a work from home option for them. I think that <laughs> everybody is dropping their kids into school. We need to get them onto the bus more regularly. And um, what's the biggest challenge people face when they are working from home? So the biggest challenge that people face working from home and working in the office is actually getting the work done. OK, so the reasons for not being able to do that are different, but and that is the biggest problem. And when you're working from home, it's things like lack of motivation now, lack of connection. Um, and that's really that creeping feeling of loneliness um, when you are working from home for long periods of time. Then when you're in the office, it's things like distractions, right? Interruptions and, you know, wanting to go have the chats. But uh, the common problem is we all want to get more done and we don't seem to be able to do it. I mean, I used to be a devil for that when working in a certain radio station that I, I spent all my time not working at my job uh, when I should have been, yeah. just going around and talking to other people and, and having a good old gossip. I don't do that anymore because I'm very well behaved and I'm self-employed, which means that I can't. Uh, it's, time is money for me. I, I, I can understand why previous employers might have seen it as an issue. But, you know, is, <laughs> is, is that part of the nature of being in the office, though, that, that collegial experience, meeting people? And, and is it a good thing that we have a bit of that back? Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you asked the question because I think people are being a little bit too hard on themselves when they are working in the office. And you did see that um, that, that kind of media coverage recently around, uh, you know, managers thinking that their employees aren't being as productive as they really are. But let me just remind you that pre-2020, people would only have done around three to four hours of deep work every day annually when they were in the office. And the rest of the time was spent chatting, you know, doing small tasks, asking people questions and just building those relationships. And um, we kind of got caught in, I suppose, a uh, what's the word kind of like a, a funnel or tunnel vision that's the word tunnel vision when we're working from home thinking that everybody was working all and all the time right um but that's not true mm. and now that you're back in the office as you said you have the chance to rebuild the relationships you know talk to people outside of your team you know get to get back on the grapevine you know feel reconnected to what the company's doing overall and that's all really good and i bet most people will still get the core of their job done, even with a few chats. Yeah, absolutely. Chats are good. Uh, but the other thing that has happened is our, our inability to, to stop, right? I mean, there was a moment yesterday where it was five o'clock. I heard the five o'clock news coming on the radio downstairs and I was finished. I could turn off my laptop. And I have to say, I cannot think of another instance of that happening in the last three months because I'm always answering emails later on and, and evenings are blurring into daytimes. It has become a little bit more normal. I think the survey shows 53% are working more than the 40 hours this week and evenings and weekends are no longer sacrosanct. That's not necessarily a good thing. 
No, it's not. And I suppose an even more concerning um, stat from that survey is that one in five said that they don't have enough free space in their life and that work bleeds into nearly every aspect of their lives and they can't disconnect. And of course, we know that has got something to do with the technology that we use, but also the fact that our boundaries got really blurred and you alluded to that there, Jonathan. But what I would say is there's there's a problem that we face if you're desk-based working and that you're not always sure when the work is finished, you know. Um, so, for example, if your job is to make bottles and if you're told you have to make 10 bottles today and you make 10 bottles, then you know the job is done. You know, you can you can walk away from work. I've made my 10 bottles, I'm finished. But for so many people, when they're working on creative or knowledge-based jobs, it's hard for them to draw that line. And that's where you need to have, you know, your end of workday routines to give yourself a chance to say, I've done enough. I've done enough now so I mm. can switch off and I can come back to it tomorrow. So even setting the alarm now, Jonathan, for quarter to five, right, you know, 15 minutes before the news to give yourself a chance, a reminder to say, what have I done today? You know, what will I do tomorrow? What have I achieved? What will I do differently to get a better day tomorrow than I had today? And giving yourself a chance to disconnect from work before the workday finishes goes a long way. I think when we're driving to work or traveling to work, we have that journey home to decompress. I think it helps when you're working from home, you have to create your own transition zone. Mm, exactly. And, and just getting up from the desk and walking away is, is very important. Just one more quick step before we finish up. 45% are overwhelmed by their workload. Uh, it, unless you're self-employed, that workload is coming from somewhere and that means yeah. that somebody is putting it on you. How Have we become a bit bad at putting our hand up and saying, do you know what now, I'm a bit swamped today and I know I'm going to be still working at 8 o'clock if you don't leave me alone and please leave, leave me alone. Have we gotten bad at that? I think we have and I think one of the problems is that managers and senior managers have gotten bad at it and because they're not showing the example then people who are reporting to them don't feel that they're able to say no. So as much as they know that they should and they probably need to, no one is setting a good example. So like for anyone who happens to be listening, if you're a manager or a senior manager, you need to take a look at your work first and you need to start pushing back. And from there, then you will actually give other people permission to do the same when it's needed. Okay, that's very solid advice. Um, where can people find out more about that survey if they're looking for it? Yeah, so you can download it on my website. That's uh, www.abetterworkday.com. Nave Brady of A Better Workday. Thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Jansen. I think it's very safe to fully embrace the Christmas spirit at this stage. And a big part of the magic of Cork City Centre at Christmas is Casey's Furniture's window. It's been on the go for more than 100 years, bringing a little bit of festive joy. And three generations of the family have been looking after it. And they've launched this year's window, Frosty the Snowman and Friends. A very welcome addition to Oliver Plunkett Street. Tom Coyne is the store's retail director. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing very well in yourself. I'm good. Uh, it is an impressive window display this year. It takes a lot of effort and I'm, I'm guessing a few bob. It's a lot of planning and I suppose it, it is a good financial commitment. I suppose we feel at this stage we have a responsibility to put it in. It's been a fantastic tra- tradition that's been built up over the years and I think it would be sorely missed if it was if we decided not to run with it. I think it really brings a festive and the family, I suppose, festivities together for us in Casey's and on Oliver Plunkett Street. I have to say, I noticed it myself for the first time last week, but then again, I'm only half paying attention when I'm walking around town. The criticism is that Christmas is coming a little bit too soon. When did you start putting Frosty in place? 
I suppose we started planning back early in the summer, but we made a conscious decision this year to, I suppose, install the window even a bit earlier than normal. We just felt there was a lot of, I suppose, doom and gloom out there, and we wanted to bring, I suppose, the Christmas festivities to a start a bit earlier for ourselves and for the people of Cork City, because we know the window has become a huge attraction, especially for people with young young children, just to uh, to come in and let them see the window, and it's a bit of, you know, it's 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 a nice local attraction it's it's free for people to come and look at and I think it just brightens up the city Yeah I have to say now hopefully the good people at Brown Thomas aren't listening because you know they put a lot of effort into their display every year but sometimes you do struggle to kind of identify the Christmas in it apart from the lights around the edge you guys have gone full on Christmas no doubt about it all you are missing is is Santa coming down the chimney Our brief was very very simple like there's a lot of beautiful windows done every year in Cork City and some are very contemporary and so on, our brief was make it wow for kids. That's as, that's as simple as our brief is. It's all about, I suppose, the smallies for us and families, and that's our window, we hope, reflects that. Yeah. I, and in look, addition, I suppose, to Frosty the Snowman, we put in our Casey's, Casey the Bear, Teddy Bear window as well, which is a huge drive for us now. It's become an annual, or Casey's annual Christmas appeal. Tell us a little bit about Casey's Bedtime Bear. You've been doing it a little while and the money goes to a very good cause. So we relaunched Casey the Bear last year. Um, It was an an initiative to mark our 100 years in business. And it's become something, I suppose, we see it as an opportunity and a vehicle for us to give back to the community. So from the proceeds of the bear, it's reduced this year to €10. And 100% of the proceeds and any money made from the campaign, 100%, goes to two charities, local charities in Limerick and in Cork. Um, it's the ARC Children's Ward in Limerick and it's the Children's Ward in CUH in Cork. So two very worthy local charities. And again, for us, it's all based about families and, and, and children. So I suppose that's why we picked to partner with those particular charities. The bear is a beautiful, I suppose, it's an iconic bear because it's a, a take on our traditional bear that we had back maybe 25 years ago, and we relaunched it, as I say, last year to mark the 100 years in business. And the reaction has been fantastic. Mm. It's great to see the people of Cork rowing in behind it. I suppose it's easy for people to buy into the concept when 100% of the proceeds go to charity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it makes Casey's bear a, a little bit uh, a little bit better about yourself, no matter where he ends yes. up on Christmas morning. Now, it's, it's obviously a big year for you with the 100th anniversary. And of course, people forget that Casey's helped re-kit out Cork homes in the city centre after the burning of Cork. And, and you know, over a century old, is, is the second century the toughest? I suppose 100 years in business, there's been a lot of challenges through those 100 years. And no doubt the next 100 will bring many different challenges and probably as tough. But Casey's, I suppose, as a family business, have been very lucky. They've been supported by very loyal customers. We're now nationwide in terms of we have our two stores, but our website is offering, I suppose, the Casey's experience nationwide, so we're delighted with that. And we're, we have a fantastic team on board to help us deliver. So I suppose with that, we're ready for any challenge and, you know, we're delighted that we are 100 years in business and we are facing into our next 100 years so yeah. As looking said, forward to it hopefully not the difficult second album the easy second century and fingers crossed <laughs> that, that it goes well for you Tom uh, best of luck Absolutely. with your Christmas appeal uh, 10 euros you can't go wrong given where the money is going it's well worth it Tom Coyne uh, retail director for Casey's Furniture thanks for joining us Tom no problem at all thanks for your call today
And that is it from this edition of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, Red Business in Focus is available right now. That's our complimentary video series. It is up on the website, redfm.ie. Fiona Corcoran was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.